turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam. We are back with another amazing episode. And today I'm joined by Mr. Thomas Jowers. Rhymes with Towers. He is the president. Do you call yourself the president of ADL? Or? Um, re- regional president. Regional, yeah. regional president of ADL Final Mile. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I am good. I'm good. Thank you so very much for having me. For sure. Thank you for being here. So a um, couple of reasons for this conversation. One, Truck and Hustle will be a part of uh, the CLDA uh, conference this year in Las Vegas coming up very, very soon. So we'll talk about that. But also we want to learn about your business, man. You are in the final mile space. You have been for how many years now? Uh, for just over 30 years. 30 years, man. So you are what we'd like to call an OG in this space, man. You are. I am an OG. So anything that uh, you've, you've seen it all, right? I've done a, a lot of it. Yes, I've seen a lot, done a lot. Got it. Got it for sure. All right. So let's kind of put some context around the conversation. First, you know, we know you're the regional re, regional president. So tell us a little bit about ADL and how the, the company got started. Yeah. So ADL uh, was a franchise, actually, of another company many years ago. Uh, about 26, 27 years ago, we started a logistics company uh, that focused primarily on automotive logistics. So when I say automotive logistics, I'm talking, you know, wheels, tires, fenders, doors, you know, anything that would go on your vehicle. Um, and, and we wanted something that focused specifically in that world. So we started a small company uh, that got bought out by a larger company. Uh, we franchised some locations. Uh, ADL Final Mile at the time was known as ADL Delivery. Uh, and, and we focused uh, on dealerships and wholesale parts distributors around uh, the Southeast U.S., uh, and grew it from a very small company with, you know, a few million dollars in revenue and uh, grew it to uh, almost 600 drivers, 17 locations uh, in, in the southeast. Um, March of 2022, uh, we sold out to private equity. Private equity purchased us and purchased another company called Capital Express in the Midwest uh, and combined the two of us together into a single company, which is where ADL Final Mile came from. Uh, myself uh, and uh, the gentleman who owned uh, uh, Capital Express reinvested in the new corporation uh, and are now uh, partners on the on the board of directors and uh, stayed on to run the combined company. So Amante uh, O'Hara is his name. He's our CEO. Uh, and I kind of serve as his right hand as the president uh, uh, for for our uh, combined uh, entity. Got it. So you said ADL is a franchise, right? ADL used to be. A, we were a franchise years ago. Yeah, we okay. bought out of the franchise almost 20 years ago. So when when you got into the business 30 years ago, what, what was it ADL then? I, it was not. It was a small company called DSI. Uh, well, originally when I got into the business, I was part of a company called ADL Delivery. Or I'm sorry, I re- let me say, take that back. I was part of a, of a, a, a company called U.S. Delivery. Uh, U.S. Delivery was buying up companies. I was in a small company that U.S. Delivery purchased. U.S. Delivery was purchased then by Corporate Express Delivery Systems. Uh, And then Corporate Express Delivery, I left Corporate Express when we started the automotive logistics company uh, shortly thereafter. So I kind of grew up in the industry, you know, served in the military first after I got out of the military, got into logistics strictly by accident, wasn't planning to do it. Uh, (laughs) And then and then became an auto logistics guy. Got it. So you were an employee at this company at that time. Um, I was. Yes, sir. Got it. Okay. So what made you uh, start your own company? Can you talk about that? Well, I didn't really start my own company. I was I was training a lot of the franchisees that uh, were coming through uh, the system at the company that I was part of at the time. 
Uh, and uh, the guys that owned the franchise in uh, Orlando and Miami, Florida, reached out to me and asked me to become a partner with them. Got so it. although although the automotive regional concept that we put together was kind of unique, nobody else was doing it. Uh, I kind of put the original what we referred to as a co-op together that allowed you know multiple auto you know uh, wholesalers to utilize the same truck, save some money, and that sort of thing. And it kind of blew up and became its own thing. So I kind of coined a little bit of a uh, of a system that uh, became very popular. Uh, and the guys that bought the franchise out in Florida reached out to me and asked me if I would partner with them. And here we are 21 years later, 20, almost 22 years later that uh, that I partnered with them. And uh, uh, yeah, that's where we're at today. And at that time, it was you guys were focusing on all automotive parts as well, right? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we're, we're much more than auto parts now. But the core of our business, even to this day, is still, you know, is still auto parts. But yeah, that's correct. OK, what what was the industry like then when you got started? Tell me about it. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of things going on back then. I mean, a lot, a lot of carriers didn't talk to each other. You know, uh, everybody, everybody thought everybody else was the enemy. You know, we were still dispatching with, uh, uh, you know, with with cards on a on a wall. The transportation management systems aren't what they are today with the AI based systems and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, to your point, all of us are OGs, old timers now, right? Uh, that that were back in the industry back in the in the days, but. Uh, you know, the industry in itself has changed. COVID obviously changed the face of our world, you know, with uh, with how we do things. Um, you know, the gig economy obviously has changed quite a few things for our industry, you know, um, and, and being able to have access to, you know, gig workers and, and items like that obviously have, have changed the way we look at things. And to be perfectly honest, which is, you know, part of why we're on this call today, you know, it's one of our focus of, uh, of our CLDA at Final Mile Forum Convention this year is AI, because AI has brought you know, a whole new world to our industry and, and to the way we do things. Um, and, and it's been a challenge to navigate that disruption. And that's hence our final mile forum agenda this year, navigating disruption tech in the final mile. You know, tech has pretty much changed everything for all of us. Got it. Got it. OK, so for someone listening who may not be familiar with final mile, could you explain exactly what you do in, in your operation? Yeah, Final Mile, and I get that, you know, especially for people that aren't in the industry, you know, Final Mile is we're basically delivering stuff to the people that use it, right? I mean, there's Middle Mile where you've got, you know, you see tractor trailers on the road. Typically, those are not Final Mile guys. Those are, you know, dock to dock guys, right? They're not the guy that's going to your house and delivering the refrigerator to your house. They're not the guy who's bringing the, you know, the four tires to the discount tire location, right? Uh, not typically, you know, even though they move a lot of e-commerce, they're not, you know, the guys that are physically making the deliveries to, you know, to the locations of the people that are physically using it or that may be selling it out of their location. So, you know, Final Mile can pretty much be anything that goes to the end user uh, and allows them to, you know, get the, get the benefit of uh, um, not having to worry about the big trucks, typically smaller vehicles, although we do have a litany of, of, of drivers and cars all the way up to tractor trailers. Most of the Final Mile work is done in, in smaller vehicles for the most part, but delivering to the end users. Got it. And who is your your customer? So you have the end user who's the person who's going to actually use that product. And who's your customer? Who are you who are you delivering? Whose goods are you delivering to that customer? No, it, it, it depends. And it depends on who you're talking to. And, and you know, the, the what we refer to as verticals, what verticals that they're in. Yep. You know, for us, our primary vertical, as we talked about on the, the start of our, our conversation, is automotive. Right. So in the automotive world, a lot of the stuff that we deliver are going to, you know, body shops and repair shops and to dealerships and anybody that may need the parts to repair somebody's vehicle, that sort of thing. Um, if you're an e-commerce customer, it could be Alibaba. It could be Timu. It could be, you know, in some instances, it could be Amazon. It could be. 
anybody that's doing any kind of e-commerce work, uh, Walmart, uh, Home Depot, right? Any of those guys can be doing that final mile work uh, to, to, the, to the customer and to the end user. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different verticals out there. Uh, there. There's pharmaceutical, there's medical, there's auto, there's your old hot shot, what we refer to as demand response work, right? That's out there that, that a lot of the, the companies like us do. Um, for us, you know, we, we stay in pretty much main vein of, we do some pharma work. We're heavy in pharma in the Midwest. In the Southeast, we're heavy in auto logistics, but we also do a lot of what's referred to as DDU work, which is destination delivery unit. That's where we're zone skipping to the postal service for, uh, for some instances for us, for FedEx or for, you know, Timu or Alibaba or some of those other guys that we're doing that business for. So, you know, it's, it all comes down to the verticals that the companies are in. Uh, and with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of delivery companies out there, there could be, you know, 300 different verticals, depending on the work that people are doing, what needs to be done. Got it. What is the biggest challenge in your industry? Wow. <clears throat> um, everybody wanting everything right now, right? Our, our, <laughs> our market and our industry, you ask what's changed in the market in the industry is, you know, people want stuff now. They don't want to wait. I mean, Amazon has proven that, you know, you can get stuff within a couple of hours. You know, back in the day, you paid a premium to get stuff in a couple of hours. Now everybody wants it, you know, and they want it for free, obviously, right. you know, in that in that situation. Finding the, the gig workers, finding contractors, finding, you know, people that, uh, uh, you know, finding people that want to do the work. You know, we're a largely independent contractor based, you know, all of us are, are largely independent contractor based where the contractors are doing the delivery work. And we're basically the brokers finding the contractors to work. Uh, and we're in a situation where you know, since COVID, it has made it extremely difficult to find those type of workers. Um, the government is also always looking to, you know, cap the independent contractors and adjust the independent contractor model and what can be considered a contractor and what can't be. Uh, so, you know, the government always plays a little bit of factor in our industry as well. Um, and, and so I would say, you know, finding the workers, the challenges that come with, you know, independent contractors uh, and, and everybody wanting the stuff, you know, yesterday you know if we could start teleporting maybe we'd be in better shape but as it sits right now you know we haven't we haven't come up with that tech yet so uh that that proves to be a little bit of a challenge for us sometimes got it so uh, obviously finding good good help is always hard to find so what how do you guys find contractors what what, what type of methods do you guys use to find people to work for you you know, there's there's all kinds of, of, of boards out there that you can use and and I'll drop a couple of our our, our vendors names but uh um Courier board is a, is a great way to be able to find contractors. There's some of the uh, open force and some of those guys have the ability for you to search through contractors and that sort of thing and offer and post jobs and that sort of thing. Uh, there are some uh, opportunities there. Um, Facebook advertising and recruiting. Uh, a lot of guys are still using, you know, career builder and, and uh, you know, some of the online forms that you can use. There's a lot of people still using Craigslist for some of that stuff because it's a cheaper option. You know, the days of using the newspaper and stuff like that, as you and I know, are, are almost gone because people are all, you know, everything's social on job boards and postings and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, so right. there are some, some things up there. I would have to say that's probably one of our biggest challenges as well is just finding the right platforms that people are looking at you know, to be able to go out there and, and be able to, you know, advertise and get those in. I would say the right solution is probably a combination of all of the above. You know, if one thing's not working, go to the next thing or use them all at the same time. I mean, clearly social media has become, you know, the forefront of everything that we do. Uh, and a lot can be done, obviously, on social platforms and that sort of thing and, and trying to get your name out there and letting people know that you have jobs available, you know, that, that they're able to do. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that's you know, that's where we do most of our stuff is through those typical platforms.
Makes sense. And what are you guys looking for in a contract? If there's somebody listening now and they're interested in the opportunity, what what what's a, what's a good fit for you for a contractor? You know, it 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 varies. I mean, it, we want somebody with that entrepreneurial spirit, right? We want somebody who wants to be their own boss, that that wants to be able to dictate their own rates and that sort of thing. It's always a negotiation, obviously, but you know, a business owner. You know, and they've and really and truly, that's one of our challenges. We want them to understand that they're business owners, right, and and that they're responsible for what they do. Um, you know, they they have the ability to invest in 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 trucks and in personnel and that sort of things. Because although you know people look at us as delivery companies, we're really not delivery companies. You know, we're we're, we're brokers, for lack of a better term. Mm. Uh, you know, the contract for those of us that use contractors, the contractors are the delivery companies. They're the the guys that are physically making the deliveries. So somebody with a good attitude, a good aptitude, somebody that knows how to run their business, um, somebody that's good at negotiating rates. You know, because that's always you know a little bit of a challenge. Uh, somebody that has the right insurance, right? We get, we've got a, insurance is huge in our industry, right? Uh, insurance costs are going up at, at ridiculous double digit rates almost every single year. Uh, so somebody that has the right insurance and, and that has the right personnel to be able to perform the services the way our customers expect, because not only do they want it, you know, as inexpensive as possible and do they want it right now, but they want it done with the best possible person that's got the right personality that has the right vehicle, you know, and that's going to treat them the way they want to be treated. So all of those things are pretty important when it comes to finding a contractor uh, that, uh, that that it's going to do a good job and, and, and is worth their salt as it relates to making those deliveries and that sort of thing. So what do they have to bring to the table in terms of equipment, experience, anything like that? You know, you you can have a contractor that starts off. I mean, everybody starts somewhere, right? So if right. a guy goes out and buys the trucks and and does everything that he needs to do, you know, we'll let them know if they have all the things that they need to be able to perform service. Um, but, you know, uh, really it comes down to um, them having the, the wherewithal to uh, – to get the right vehicles. I mean, vehicles is all dependent. I mean, right now, the most popular vehicle that everybody's using are sprinter vans or transit vans, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, those are the most popular. That's what everybody wants. Uh, box trucks, tractor trailers, cargo vans, those type of things are still necessary, but we see the industry more trending towards, you know, the sprinter vans and that sort of thing because of the capacity and the, you know, the economic, you know, ramifications of having a vehicle that can get 25 or 30 miles to the gallon, as opposed to a box truck that gets 12 to 15, you know, as that may be. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of guys, you know, with the right insurance, you know, million dollars worth of GL insurance, uh, you know, um, cargo insurance that covers everything that they've got on their trucks, you know, OCAC, occupational accident insurance for, for anybody that's driving for them or, or having, you know, workers comp coverage if it's required, if they're using employees as opposed to ICs, you know, that sort of thing. Those are the things that we're looking for. Uh, we prefer, obviously, people with experience. You know, if we have a choice between somebody with no experience and somebody with five years experience, we'll probably lean more towards the guy with five years of experience rather than the new contractor that's just learning. That doesn't mean that we'll push a brand new contractor out the door if he has the insurance and the equipment. Not to say that we won't give him a shot. We won't give him a chance. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a combination of both of those things. And we would use either one. Got it. What and what is the process? Is there like an RFP process? Are they bidding on these lanes or how, how does that work? Or are you guys just kind of saying, hey, this is the work we have. Here's the opportunity. What is what does that look like? It's, it's always a negotiation with a contractor, right? Um, you never want to be in a situation where you dictate to a contractor what their rates are, right? You don't want to be in that situation. It's always a negotiation. You know, you give them the parameters of what it is that you're looking for, what your customer is looking for, you know, uh, how many miles are going to do, what kind of vehicle is it, what is the commodity that's being carried in the vehicle, you know, that sort of thing. Um, in some instances, we have RFPs that'll go out. You know, we have uh, some people have automated systems that allow for RFPs and that sort of thing. You can 
you know, on, on courier board as a prime example or, or drive by courier board. Uh, you can post something and say, hey, this is open for RFP. Give us your quotes. Here are the requirements. You have the ability to do that kind of stuff. Uh, contractors can come to us directly and say, hey, what availability do you have in Let's just use a couple of my my markets. What what availabilities do you have in Tampa? What are you looking for? You know, can we bid on some of the work? You know, or we'll place an ad and say, hey, we have a route available. Can you reach out to us? Give us some information about your company. We'll tell you what's available. You tell us what the rates are. But it is always a negotiation. It's never a one-sided, hey, this is what I'm going to pay and you know, this is what you're going to make if, if you want to do the job. Uh, it's always a back and forth to make sure that they're negotiating the rates with us instead of us dictating what those rates will be. Got it. And how are they compensated? Is it by mile, by piece? Is it a combination of all? How does that look? So it's it's kind of across the board. I mean, uh, some will do some companies will do commissions. Some companies will do per stop. Some companies will do a per piece. Some companies do a per mile. Right. Uh, you never want to be in a situation where where you're paying them a salary because they're contractors. You never want to be in a situation, you know, where where you're dictating the rates as opposed to having a conversation and and negotiating that with the IC. You know, it always is a, is a back and forth, right? So um, it de- kind of depends on the driver. Kind of depends on the situation. All companies do it a little bit different. Some all some do it exactly the same. Uh, so it's variable, you know, depending on the different needs by the customers, honestly. The customers kind of, you know, help us set the path on that as far as how they want to pay to get things done. Uh, and and then we bring that to the contractors and we negotiate based on those deals. Got it. And how how is the work um, allocated? Is it like on a contract base where you have like this work planned out for, you know, a month, six months ahead, a year? Or is it more so like a day to day or week to week? What does that look like? Again, it's kind of kind of a little bit of all of that, right? It just depends on the situation. I mean, some things we know about, you know, well in advance. And when we do, we can schedule and put it out to the drivers for bid, that sort of thing. Uh, other times we have, you know, the same work every single day and contractors will say, hey, I'll do this work and, and that sort of thing. Uh, demand response is very much day by day by day. You don't know what you're going to have from day to day. Uh, and not this is not just necessarily my company. I'm speaking in general terms, of course, for for any for all different types of companies. You know, it depends on whether or not, you know, it's scheduled routed work, if it's demand response work, if it's, you know, line haul work, which could be, you know, carrying a full load from one cross dock to another cross dock for, for a customer uh, or for internal route structure, that sort of thing, like a FedEx UPS style delivery. Uh, so it's kind of a little bit all over the map. It just depends. Um and, and you can, we adjust to the needs of the clients. It's, we're, we're called the Customized Logistics and Delivery Association, right? Part of the reason for that is because everything that we do, for the most part, is customized to the needs of the clients and the customers, right? So there, there's always something different being thrown at us. I mean, after 30 plus years of doing this, we've heard pretty much everything, but there's always something new that comes up and surprises you, right? And says, you know what? I haven't thought about that before. Let me see what we can put together. And pretty much any of the guys that are out there that that are in multiple verticals and multiple different types of business uh, will tell you that, you know, we'll bend and mold to, to the needs of our clients. And then we'll go to the contractors and say, okay, this is what the customer needs. We need your help to, you know, try to make that happen. And in your particular vertical, the automotive, how physically demanding is it? Are you just bumping docks? Or are you are you touching a lot of stuff? What's what's going on with that? So it depends on on the situation. Uh, like I said, auto is just one of our verticals. We have we have multiple verticals, but auto being the largest. Uh, to to your point, that's a great call out. To your point, you know, auto is exactly what it sounds like: your hoods, <laughs> fenders, doors, tires, wheels. 
you know, and spark plugs and a, a bottle of oil, right? I mean, I can I can give you if it goes on your car, we've we've probably you know touched some piece of freight that that does that. So it can be uh, cumbersome, you know. From you know, imagine walking around with a, a hood in a box, right? That that you have to take off at a body shop or something like that. Or you know, tires are you know average about thirty seven pounds. So you know, sometimes it can be that way. Uh, other times, for every hood you've got, you've got ten boxes that weigh the that are the size of a shoebox and weigh about the same as well. So for the for the auto side of the business for for ADL final mile, you know it, it could be a combination of all those things, you know. And then you've also got engines and transmissions. So when you think about auto, you know, from the auto perspective, you know, it's not just the small boxes and stuff. You still have the engines and the transmissions and the alternators and the starters and stuff that go along with it. So you know, it's a little bit of everything. So it can be cumbersome, but a lot of times the guys have the equipment necessary to do that kind of work. Uh, so you know, from from our perspective in the automotive vertical. You know, uh, you, you hit the nail right on the head. It can be a little cumbersome. Got it. And what's your churn like in retention with your your drivers? Do they tend to stick around or is it low retention? What, what talk, talk to me about that. And maybe not you specifically, but just the industry in general. You know, it, it depends on a lot of different things. You know, you, you brought up a good point as far as, uh, you know, how cumbersome can the deliveries be, right? You you find a bigger churn on on things that are a little more difficult to do than you do on stuff that's a little bit easier. You know, if the, if the driver or contractor is going out and deliver 50 envelopes a day or 100 envelopes a day, obviously that's not too difficult, right? They, they may <laughs> right. stick around depending on what their rate, you know, the negotiated rates and stuff are. You know, as, as you have the more cumbersome stuff, typically it pays a little bit more, but whether or not the driver's you know, are okay with doing that. You know, as a prime example, one of my largest customers, a large end tire distributor, a uh, driver could go out and deliver 150 tires a day. Now imagine, you know, picking up 150 tires, you know, loading it into your vehicle and setting up your stops and then going out and making those deliveries, right? Uh, it, it could be, you know, very cumbersome for, for a driver that's that's doing something like that. But that's not every, that's not every contractor, that's not every route, you know, those are, those are you know, hit and miss. Like I said, for for every driver that you have that has a truckload of tires, at least on my side, I could have a driver that has a truckload of envelopes as well, or a carload of envelopes that are being delivered, or or a, a truckload of a uh, van load of uh, totes that they may be delivering to a pharmaceutical location, or a truckload of mail bags that they're taking to the U.S. Postal Service, right, to to do that. So it's kind of a little bit all over the place. Again, customized, so it's something it could be, you know, a car up to a tractor trailer, depending on what we're talking about. So, got it. And what's the earning potential? You know, it depends. Um, without calling out, you know, too much, it, you know, it could be, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year up to two hundred thousand dollars a year. It depends on the vehicle that you're using. It depends on the frequency, you know, that you're providing service. Right? Contractor can provide service for one day. They can provide service for thirty days in a month if they want to. Uh, it really depends on the on the contractor and what their, you know, what they want to do. I mean, yeah, I guess you could kind of make it Uber liftish, right? Where you say, you know, the more days you work, the more money you're going to make, right? right. Um, the, the more you get out there, I mean, if you come in and you you deliver for an hour and then you go home, you're not going to make the same money if you come in and you, you know, you you provide service for a full entire route or, or you know, you're on a dispatch board for a whole entire day. You know, that's that sort of thing. So it really comes down to to the want and, and the need, you know, of the contractor, you know, and what's available to him for the companies. Many contractors and we all in the industry prefer this. Many contractors will provide service to three or four different companies all at the same time. And, and provide mm. service and, and be able to, to double or triple or quadruple their earning potential. We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, Factor is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is Factor important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. 
If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. Um, they can go out and buy, you know, additional trucks and, and put people into those trucks and, you know, put those guys on the road and, and, and have four or five guys that are operating those vehicles as, as employees for their company. Right now, they're making hustling and making more money. Right. Uh, called truck and hustle for a reason. Right. You get a truck <laughs> and you right. get your tail out there and you hustle. Right. That's right. Um, so those contractors have the ability to do as much or as little as they want to do. Uh, they, they've got to get with the right company, of course, that that can you know provide them with that amount of work. Uh, there is work out there. You just have to get with the right companies and and, uh, and and create that relationship. Yeah, that's interesting. You said that you guys encourage uh, these contractors to work for multiple companies. Is there ever a conflict of interest when that happens, when they're working for multiple multiple outfits? I, I'm sure that is a possibility. It's not something that's ever come to fruition that, that we know about. I mean, there's okay. always that, you know, that I don't want to call it that that scare you know, those, that little bit of a scare that you have that because they're working for your competition as well as working for you, could it create an issue? Could it create a problem? Right. Um, look, you, you know, I've said this, I, I, I've served on the CLDA board for quite a few years. I, I was the president of the Florida Messenger Association for quite a few years. And one of the things that we preach on a pretty regular basis, there's enough work out there for all of us, right? There's plenty of work out there. There's a couple of things that are, you know, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, that are almost recession proof, right? You know, uh, delivery is one of them. I mean, delivery is always going to be there, right? People are always going to need stuff delivered. That's never going to change. So um, it, it, our market is affected by by some things. You know, rates go down, volume goes down when, you know, COVID people are stuck in their house. Of course, deliveries aren't being done as much as they do. Those those things kind of hurt us a little bit. But, right. you know, there's certain parts. Delivery, medical is always going to be needed. Pharmaceuticals are always going to be needed. You know, those are things that I think are relatively safe as long as you're in the right verticals and doing the right things. But you know, um, you typically don't have any issues or I have not experienced any issues where this contractor has shared everything that he's doing with both companies because he's also going to ruin his opportunity too, right? If, if he's going to your competition and sharing information about your competition, then all of a sudden you're in a position where you're like, look, that's the way you're going to do business as a contractor. Then the likelihood is we don't need to do business with contractors that perform that way, right? Yeah. So yeah. I've not really seen it to speak to it, um, but uh it, it is a fear that some people have is, is if he's if he's going to work with my competition as well as me, you know, what's doing that. If anything, it, be, it becomes a little bit of a rate balance. Right. The contractor's like, you know, I'm getting paid this over here. I want to get paid yep. this over here. And it may create economy of scale in that respect. Um, but uh, as far as, you know, the competition side of it goes, not not really anything that that I'm, I'm really worried about on my end. Got it. What are the verticals that you're excited about? You said that as long as you're in the right verticals, what are the what are the exciting verticals that you think are? are thriving now and that if anybody who wanted to get into this space should consider? You know, pharma is, is always going to be there, right? Pharma is, pharma is a huge vertical and, and people are always going to need medicine, right? Medical is, is a great vertical. People are always going to need medical. Um, and, and, and there's, there's all kinds of facets of medical. There's devices, there's, you know, there's lab work that can be done. You know, lab work is always going to be done. I mean, how often do you go to the doctor and they take a couple of vials of blood and they don't do, you know, the work there on site, it has to be done or pickups from Quest Diagnostics and stuff like that. I mean, the medical side of the business is always going to be, and pharma is always going to be a big part. E-commerce, as we all know, e-commerce is huge. Anytime you can get into a situation where you're doing e-commerce, as long as the rates are, are where they need to be, you know, uh, Alibaba, Timu, who has popped up on the scene. You've heard me mention them a couple of times. Yep. You know, Timu has popped up on the scenes or doing millions of packages a day into the U.S. And that's just going to continue to grow uh, and go. Um, you know, oddly enough, we do, we do a lot of business with FedEx. We, you know, we, we do a lot of business with uh, 
uh, stuff going to the U.S. Postal Service. We do a lot of business with, um, you know, there, there's just so many different things out there that you can do. Automotive is a, is a good vertical if you can get into the auto. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody my secrets, of course, but the <laughs> fact is, you know, you the, the auto world is, is, is a good world to be in. Uh, they're a little particular from the standpoint of they want to know that you know and understand their business, right? Um, and, and then, you know, you've got everybody like Walmart and Target and, and Home Depot and those guys that are, you know, doing their own, you know, share of doorstep delivery or, or threshold delivery and, uh, uh, and e-commerce delivery as well. And if you have a chance to get into some of those, you know, that, that always seems to be a good, a good portion of business as well. So, um, you know, for me, the, the stuff that I look at, you know, I, I think the, the pharma, the medical, you know, auto are all big. Um, there are other ones out there. We, we don't delve into a lot of those. I don't, in, and at least as far as my, again, my personal opinion goes, it's hard to be everything to everyone. I, I, I don't want to be everything to everyone. I want to be the best at the ones that I'm good at or that my people are good at or my team is good at. Um, and, and if you spread yourself too thin, you know, are you the best at everything that you do, right? And in my personal opinion, stick with what you're good at, you know, and be the best at that and then own that vertical, own that 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 level of service. And, and I think you continue to grow. Got it. We love to say here that the riches are in the niches, man. So I, I feel that the more you like get down, the better off you'll be, right? You're able to stand out more. Yeah, I've got a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, John Benko is also part of my team as well. And he goes, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? And, and <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, you, you create the relationships, you provide the service to your customers that you need to, you know, you become that standout, you become the preferred provider, you know, the more the more likely you are to have that customer come to you and say, hey, look, can you do this for me elsewhere, you know? I, I tell people all the time, you'll get more business from your existing customers sometimes than you ever will a new customer because there's opportunities for them to grow with you if you're able and willing to put in the effort to be able to make that happen. So it's always a good thing. For sure. And how do you differentiate yourself as a business and stand out? Because like you said, ultimately, you guys are brokers. You have ICs, independent contractors doing the work. How are you maintaining quality control when you have you know all these other independent people inside of your business? And how are you guys standing out to your customer for them to choose you as opposed to somebody else? You know, for, for us, it, for me specifically, I'm going to talk about for me, I'm not going to necessarily talk about, you know, the ADL final mile philosophy, but I'll tell you what my philosophy is. And it's always been the same is I know what my competition is doing, but I'm not super concerned about what they're doing. I know what my competition is charging, but I'm not super concerned about what they're charging, right? My biggest thing is making sure that I give a commitment to my customer and I meet the expectations that my customers have set for me, right? It's not a matter of, did we mess up? Because we're going to mess up. I mean, we have a significant number of, of contractors out there. We have a significant number of employees. You know, we have a significant number of customers and we want to be able to be the one that they come to and say, hey, I know that if I give something to ADL Final Mile, it's going to be taken care of. I know that if it's not, I know what they're going to do to make sure that my customer is taken care of. So it's not just a matter of going the extra mile to take care of your customer. It's about going the extra mile and then taking another step. Mm. Right. So it's about, OK, I picked up the phone. I called you to let you know what was going on. But I also picked up the phone and I called your customer and I told your customer, hey, my vendor did not do this. This was all on us. We're the one that made the mistake. I'm going to move heaven and earth to make sure that you're taken care of. I'm going to make sure that you get the service that we committed to our customer is going to happen. So kind of a whatever it takes philosophy, you know, when it comes to those customers and what we're willing to do. And our customers know that. Um, they call us out on it on a regular basis. They're like, you know what? I know I don't have to worry about ADL because they're going to take care of me. They're going to take care of my customer and they're going to make sure that it's handled, right? 
rates play a factor always, right? You know, there are those customers that'll leave you for 50 cents on a package, right? We know that those customers exist, you know, but what are you trading for that, for that 50 cents? I don't want to be the low cost provider. I want to be the best choice provider. And if the best choice provider is the one that provides the best possible service, then I know my customers are going to call me. If I open another location, if I, you know, buy another company or something that, that is in another market that I'm not in, can I go to my customer base and say, hey, customer base, you know, I'm now in this area. Is there business that I can do for you? And typically that answer is yes, because we've been able to provide the service that they've come to expect. And there's a positive and negative to that, right? The positive to that is you got very happy customers for the most part. The negative to that is you've now set a level of expectation for yourself that your customers expect and you've got to meet or beat it right moving forward because it's always what's next. Yeah, you made a great delivery last time, but what's, what about the next delivery, right? And it's always about the next delivery. You're only as good as your next delivery. Yeah, I always say that only only as good as your last load, man. That's the industry that we're That's in. Exactly. Very, very yeah. thankless industry. What are, what are some of the yeah, other man. pain points? I could imagine that claims would be another big uh, thing in your industry. Do you do you guys how how do you minimize claims? Because I know you, you're always touching all these pieces, and people yeah. always complain about things getting damaged. Talk to me about that. Yeah, damages, man, they're not fun no matter how you look at it. I mean, if you think about it, it's bottom line profit, right? No matter what the situation is, it comes right off the bottom line. There's nothing that you can do about it unless, you know, most insurance claims fall under your, your deductible in a lot of situations. You know, it's the big claims that don't. Um, for us specifically, it's a little bit more of a challenge because we're moving auto parts, right? So we're moving sheet metal. And if you think about that, sheet metal is not very forgiving. And most of the time, sheet metal is not packaged well for shipment and transportation, Right. Uh, they're like, well, when I get it from the manufacturer, it's fantastic. But when you guys deliver it, you get a ding in it. Well, we're, we're not shipping 57 hoods of exactly the same size on the back of a tractor trailer that may be inside of a crate, you know, that sort of thing. We're going to the final mile guy that's getting it, you know, it may hit three trucks before it makes it to them when I make that delivery. So, you know, it is a, an expected part of the business, at least in the auto world, it's an expected part of the business. You budget for it because you know it's something that you're going to have. Contractors are responsible for the freight that they carry, so they have to take care of it as well. So there's a little bit of an out there. Um, you know, uh, it, it is it is a tricky situation. Claims are part of our industry that we don't like, but the fact of the matter is it's going to happen, you know, especially with as many trucks as you have on the road. Accidents are going to happen. And although contractors are responsible for what's on their trucks and that sort of thing, you know, we have to carry insurance for a reason. We carry cargo for a reason. If it's a total loss, we have to look at those things and, and, and be mindful of those. Uh, claims is always a challenge. I'm, I'm not going to not going to try to put a pretty put a, put a pretty <laughs> bow on it and tell you, you know, that it's that it's easy. Um, customers don't like it when you deny a claim. They, they want it. They think 100 if they're filing the claim, they think it should be paid. Right. Uh, that's not always the case because it's not always your issue. Sometimes it's a it's a it's the customer that received its issue because it was in good shape when we did that. I will tell you that a lot of the the TMS systems now are allowing for things that they didn't allow for before. You know, pictures at the point of delivery, right, and that the customer can see. That way, if they come back and say, "Hey, there's this huge scratch on it," but if we take a picture of it once we've dropped it off, we've cleared ourselves, right? So there are things out there that we can do that can prevent some of those claims. Some of them you're just not going to be able to prevent. Somebody. You know, does something silly and accidentally drops something or something falls off the back of a truck, you know, as it's being loaded, you know, that sort of thing. You know, guy leaves a door open on the back of his box truck because we've never heard of things like that happening before. Right. <laughs> Some of those not. things just just happen and just happen. And, and it's part of the business. It's something that you've got to be aware of and things that you have to budget and plan for when you're talking pricing with customers. Uh, but it is a, a not so much fun part of, uh, of the industry for sure. For sure. The traditional trucking market has been brutal this year. How has it impacted the last mile space? 
You know, even even though we're last mile providers, you know, we're middle mile and first mile too, right? Some of us are, some of us are not, some of us are. Um, on, on the ADL final mile side, we're more middle mile and final mile rather than first mile. Um, I, I won't say that it's affected us a lot. Um, I think what affects the industry as a whole is <clears throat> there are kids coming out of school saying, I want to be a truck driver, right? The the the, the truck drivers of the day when they that was a cool thing years kids, ago. Right? You said that aren't, yeah, aren't are okay, not. Yes, aren't. Yeah. Um, Look, I, re I remember driving in my, my my dad's El Camino, right, and, and and riding in the back when it was okay to do so, and passing by the the tractor trailer driver and doing the whole, you know, <laughs> this to get him to get him to honk the horn as we went down right. the street, right? That was cool when we were kids, you know. Sure. And all the all the kids now want to be in tech, man. They don't they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be driving a truck. You know, the the you know, I, I like to tell the people that I talk to, you know, the plumbers of the world, the electricians of the world, the truckers of the world, those guys. You know, the true grit, the blue collar, true grit guys that are out there, you know, they're doing that. The kids that decide that they want to be in those industries are going to be the ones making all the money. The kids that are, yeah, they're coming out of school saying, I want to be a journeyman. Right. Those are going to be the guys because there's going to be such a shortage. There's already a shortage. We know that there's a, a shortage of like 100,000 truck drivers in the U.S. alone that that and loads that can't just can't be moved. So that's putting the truckers in a position where they get to call their own rates. They get to dictate what the rates are. They get to say, I'm not doing this for less than this. So, you know, it, it's causing the market to increase from a, a cost perspective, which is by default, you know, passing being passed on to the customers because we have no choice. We have to pass it on to the customers. But, you know, as as an industry, we need to find a way to come out of this with saying, hey, being a truck driver is not necessarily a bad thing. You can make a couple hundred thousand dollars being a truck driver. You have to be OK with what that means, being on the road, maybe not being home every night, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but if, if we can talk some of the next generation into you know, uh, in, into deciding that that this is not a bad industry. This is something where you can make some significant money if you are so inclined to do so. We just need an initiative out there with, you know, guys like you that are that are uh, in, the, in the social media and saying, hey, guys, this is a good place for you to be. If you're looking for something to do and you want to make some good money, you, you know, I encourage everybody, obviously, to go to college, to get a degree, get a degree and do all those things. You know, that's a big thing in my family as well. But that's not to say, you know, that that you that you have to do that. I mean, you can you know, if you can come out of school and be a truck driver, make 200 grand a year, is it worth you taking the time to look at that and seeing if that's something that you want to do? And I think the answer to that is yes, it is. Yeah. And, and but how how do we do that? Because ultimately the problem is just quality of life. Right. Just just people want people are are looking at other opportunities because, you know, it's just to be a truck driver is a difficult lifestyle. Right. Like you're on the yes. road. You don't get family time you don't get proper rest it takes a toll on your body physically it's just it just takes a toll on you so what can we do as an industry to uh create a better environment for people to think that hey this is a great opportunity not only not only for uh monetary gain but also for like lifestyle like is is there anything that we can do to do that in your mind just i'm just throwing it out there you know, to, to quote a good friend of mine and yours, you know, Jason Burns, a president of the CLDA, you know, we got to make trucking sexy again. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, that, that's a quote straight from Jason. He's like, you know, we were sitting on a call the other day and he goes, you know, we, we've got to make this this industry sexy again. And what makes this industry sexy? And, and and look, it doesn't have to be just an over the road truck driver. Right. There are other options. It's not just the over the road truck driver. You know, there, there's, you know, large box trucks where you're home every single night, you know, when you're working five days a week, there is, you know, opportunities with, with sprinters and cargo vans where you can go out and, and do mail delivery or, or, you know, pharmaceutical delivery and stuff like that, where you can make really good money doing those exact same things if you're so inclined to do so. So, you know, I, I, they, I don't have all of the answers by any means. I'm just For one sure. guy's opinion. But <laughs> I, I think Jason hit the nail right on the head is, is that we've got to make final mile sexy. And when we do, 
right? And, and have all the tech that goes along with it, you know, again, and I know we'll get to this in a minute, you know, when we're talking about, you know, the CLDA conference coming up that you guys are going to be a part of, you know, a lot of the things that we're looking at is the AI side of things. I mean, you, you and I both know that the younger generation is all about tech. It's all about AI. It's all about social media. You know, it's all about getting their name out there and, and, and going viral, right? Everybody wants to go viral <laughs> and uh, getting, getting the opportunity to do that and, and, and showing them, that that side of our world does exist, right? With with uh, you know guys guys like you, like Blythe, who who uh, uh, obviously uh, is is speaking with us with Digital Dispatch, you know, and, and those kind of things, you know, making it sexy again, making them know that that there's more to this than just jumping in a truck and making a delivery, right? And sure. and there is. So sure. I, I, I think it's making it sexy again. I think is the answer. I love it. I love it. Talk about the association. How did you get involved? When did you get involved? And what does what what do you guys do? CLDA. So um, CLDA is kind of is, is kind of like the big pop-up organization for the final miles, so customized logistics and delivery association. Uh, previously, the MCAA, which was the Messenger Courier Association of America. Um, I, I, honestly, I, I got into logistics by accident. And I'll be honest, I got into the, the organizations by accident as well. Uh, I had a good friend of mine that came and said, man, he goes, I don't think you realize how much influence you can have if you, you know, if you get involved in the associations. CLDA is just one organization. You know, we, we've got the Florida Messenger Association, the California Delivery Association, the New York State Messenger Association. Uh, those guys are all, you know, statewide organizations. And I started uh, by getting involved with the, the Florida Messenger Association. Uh, it, it had been created almost 40 years ago, kind of died off. Uh, John Benko, who is who's one of my partners, uh, kind of reinvigorated it one day. And, and I had... Uh, never been involved in any of the associations. And he called me and invited me out to a meeting. It was my first ever Florida Messenger Association meeting, you know, almost 18 years ago. And uh, we squeezed, you know, 60 guys in Florida into a room made for about 40 and said, <laughs> guys, you know, we, we need to be talking to one another. You know, we need to be having conversations. We don't need to be scared of our competition. We need to do this. Got really involved. And I said, look, man, if we're going to do this, we need to, we need to boost this thing up, right? Uh, we need to put ourselves in a situation where, you know, everybody's talking to each other that we share, you know, valuable information and not pricing and stuff like that, because obviously you would never do that. And, and, and you know, we can't do that as an association anyway, but more, you know, what's working for you? What recruiting's working for you? What 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 tools are you using that are working and that sort of thing? Um, they, they suckered me into being president for about three years and, and uh, I, I helped them build the meeting. And then after I, I resigned from the presidency of the FMA, uh, my buddy said, look, he goes, the, the big organization is the CLDA You need to, or the MCAA at the time. You need to be part of the CLDA. So uh, I, I ran for the board and got on the board and, and just the camaraderie and the friendship and the connections that I made with the members of the CLDA, the vendors of the CLDA, the, the, uh, the, the people that run the, the CLDA from an association management standpoint, you know, just put me in a situation where I made connections that I, I never would have made had I not been part of the, the association. And the association is great from the standpoint of education, right? We're an educational organization. Our goal is to educate and, and, and to bring people together, to let people know that we can all be part of an organization. We can all be friendly competition. You know, you're sitting in a room with a guy and you're sharing best practices as you're sitting in a room. Uh, and, and, and having conversations with these guys, bringing in guys that are true experts in the companies, the OGs again, the OGs <laughs> of the industry, right? Yeah. Um, as an example, Jim Tompkins with Tompkins International uh, is, is, is our keynote. Uh, and the first thing that we're talking about is navigating disruption, right? And, and what that means to us. Uh, and, and he's our keynote for, for the association. 
um, how AI is being used in the final mile space is going to be, you know, a big thing. We're going to be sitting down and talking to Forecast and Truck Spy, Dispatch Science, Beans AI, just to name a few, uh, and having conversations with these guys about what does the future look like for us? I mean, years ago, we're talking about drone delivery, and I don't know about you, but I look outside and see all these drones around, and I see that, uh, you know, drones are happening. Now, that doesn't mean it's not being used. We know it is. Walmart just released some stuff just in the last few days that are showing that they're using drone delivery within, uh, you know, a local radius of some of the stores. It's beta testing with, with Walmart right now. So that's a big thing. Um, obviously, Blythe is coming in to talk about embracing AI and lowering the barrier solutions for high impact results, that sort of thing. Uh, that, that is education. Um, one of our favorites at our, at our event every year is our courier roundtables, right? This is just where all of our couriers get together. We invite the vendors, we invite the shippers and everybody. We all sit around a table and we talk about what's going on in the industry right now, kind of like you and I are doing right now. You know, what are your thoughts? What are you doing to recruit? What platforms are you using to find drivers? You know, what is working for your employee drivers for some of the companies that are employee driver based? Uh, what, what platforms are you using? Uh, one of the big things on everybody's lips right now is chat GPT and what that's doing for a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, I'm another one of those older guys that is like, you know, I'm on social media, but I'm on Facebook, right? I just got <laughs> on to TikTok not too long ago because my kids pushed me to be on TikTok. Yeah. But, you know, talking about, you know, chat GPT, I started using it. And now I use it almost every day. It's something that is part of my daily routine. If I'm writing anything from a letter to an SOP to a, you know, to, to a job description, you know, I'm using, I'm using that to help me. Uh, and it's made me more efficient, you know, instead of sitting down and writing something and reading it 12 or 13, 14 times, I'm using that to help me. And, and those are our, our things. Um, you know, there, there are so many different things out there that, that we're learning and, and this particular, you know, event navigating disruption tech in the final miles, February 14th through February 16th at Caesars palace in Las Vegas. You know, if, if you want to come out and, and you want to get an education, you want to learn, you want to make some connections. Cause that's a big part of this for me. I love the education. The education is, is fantastic, but I also like sitting around, you know, and, and, and talking to my, my fellow compatriots at, at night at the bar or out at the pool or, or during golf or, or during one of the events and, and just saying, hey, man, what's going on in your world? You know, if you ever have a need, you know, in the southeast, you know, let me know. Well, Tom, if you ever have a need in the northeast, let me know. Right. And creating those relationships that help us build our business. Right. So this event is all about, you know, a good education about creating connections that are lifetime long connections. Right. They're not just, hey, I'm going to see you today. I'm never going to talk to you again. You got to make some effort, of course. It's not just going to happen on its own. If you're going to be a wallflower and sit at the corner and not talk to anybody, <laughs> then, then you're not going to get anything out of it. But if you're going to sit there and have a conversation with people, not be afraid and, and, and to talk to someone and have some conversation about where you think the industry is going, you know, what's working for you, not what's not working for you. You know, hey, I've got a customer who has a need in Idaho. Brian, you're in Idaho. Let me push that customer onto you. Maybe you can get a new piece of business, right? And creating a network that allows you to build your company, not just from the salespeople and the people that are working for you and your customer base, but from everybody who says, hey, I'm not in Florida, but I know Tom in Florida and he's the guy that you need to talk to in Florida, right? Those connections that you make at the CLDA and some of the other conventions are, are second to none. And, and they are things that you can use to help better your business and to learn what some of the best practices are in the industry. Got it. I love it. Great breakdown. Can you give us an idea of the range of the size of businesses that are a part of this organization? So for people who are kind of interested in who, who the peer the peer group that they'll be around? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it varies. I mean, we, we have contractors that come to the CLDA, you know, event and their companies are, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. I would say the typical and, and somebody, you know, on the membership committee might might correct me in, in this, but I would say your typical company is between two to five million dollars, you know, in revenues per year. Uh, and they go up to companies as high as 600, 700 million dollars a year. Um, it, it just really, you know, it really varies. 
I, I would say the core is probably, you know, somewhere between two or three million and, and six or seven million probably, um, because most of them are smaller delivery companies. Uh, but I would say, you know, those guys are probably the majority of our of our members are the smaller companies. We encourage the smaller companies, you know, just because they're going to learn more from some of the larger companies, right? They're going to be able to come in and say, hey, you know, how did you take your company from five million to fifty million dollars? How did you take your company? You know, what do you do that makes you different and and gets you there? Uh, and without you know sharing customer lists or, or or true trade secrets, more, hey, this is what you need to look at. This is what you need to do, right? Um, and, and taking the advice of the guys that have been doing it for a long time. And I'll be honest, the, the, the older guys like myself, we learn from the younger generation of, of things. Uh, another good uh, friend of ours, Lorena uh, Carmargo with, uh, with uh, um, uh, Pearl Transport, she is fantastic at social media, man. I see something posted from her every day and, and I'm like, I need to do better. Our team, we need to do better at this, right? I see her all the time. I see her everywhere you know, on social media. And, and I think she does a fantastic job at it. I wish we were as good at it as she is. And she's a significantly smaller company than we are, but she outshines us when it comes to social media and being out there and putting herself out there. So, you know, I, I'm excited about what she's done and what she's been able to do. And she's another, you know, uh, she's another one of those stories where, you know, she came in as a smaller company uh, and, and, you know, was, was picking everybody's brains and she now serves on the board with us and, and is a big part of some of the decision-making that we make over the years. And we've watched her grow in, into, you know, into her role and uh, being on the board and uh, got a lot of respect for her. She's one of those companies that, you know, came in as a new member, has now been a member for a while and doing a great job and uh, providing some good context for, for our new members that are coming in. For sure. Lorena is amazing. She actually spoke at my conference, Freight Fest, uh, in September. Uh, so she's a good friend. And I, and I have tons of friends a part of the organization. So, you know, you guys are one of my favorite, favorite, favorite group of people, man. Larry Zogby, uh, Jason, Lorena, Arellis. I mean, I could go on and on and on. So I'm um, really, really appreciate grateful. that. Yes, sir. All right. So I think we're going to kind of come to a close. Uh, before we go, I want to kind of get your final thoughts, which is just, you know, something just to leave the audience with. It could just be inspirational, spiritual, wherever you want to go with it. And just okay. lastly, let everybody know where they connect with you. Um, learn more about ADL, learn, you know, connect with you directly and so forth and so on. So let's just start with where you're, you know, where are you on social? Are you on LinkedIn? Just give people, you know, the best place to find you. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. Uh, I, I have a few hobbies that keep me busy on TikTok. I'm a, I'm a woodworker by, uh, oh, by cool. just for, just for fun. You know, that's my my time away from time. Love to do some 3D printing and that sort of thing. Got it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, one of my favorite things to say when I'm when I'm talking to everybody is, you know, I, and my guys when they when they watch this are going to kick me in the butt because one of my favorite sayings is, you know, when all is said and done, more gets said than done. Right. Don't 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 be those guys. Right. If, if mm. you're going to if you're going to sit around and you're going to have some conversations and you're going to talk about, you know, how can I better my company? How can I get to the future? How can I do this? How can I do that? You know, don't just talk about it. Be a, be a doer. Don't don't just sit back and uh, and and say that. And then my other uh, my other favorite logistics saying is uh, this was brought to me by a CEO that I had many years ago. You know, in logistics, the glass is not half full and the glass is not half empty. It is the wrong size glass. So, you know, when you think about it that way, it makes things look a little bit different. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. But uh, anybody that wants to reach out to me, I'm an, I'm an open book, you know, short of sharing rates and stuff like that. You know, I'm happy to talk to anybody about the industry if they want to. Uh, my my company is ADL Final Mile. Uh, our web address, we actually uh, is going to be ADLFinalMile.com. We are in the process of building that with the consolidation of the two companies. But my company specifically is ADLDelivery.com. Uh, and you can find out information uh, on us there. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, as well. And I can be reached at Thomas J, T-H-O-M-A-S-J at ADLDelivery.com for anybody that wants to reach out and ping any questions or, uh, 
know, has any has anything that they'd like to share. So I'm happy to do that. I love that. When all is said and done, more is said than done. That is powerful, man. I, I like that one. Who who said that? Is that is that an original? I, or? I, I it's it's not mine. It's somebody oh, else's. Man. I had somebody say it to me at a, at a conference at one right point. There. And I and I've held on to it, but I'll let you know. I'll I'll do a Google search on it after I'm done to find out who actually said it. And I'll I'll send yeah. it to you. So we we'll have to put in a, put in the link in the description of this video, man. Thomas, go, thank go. you so much for joining us. I appreciate you, man. Uh, it was great learning more about ADL and just connecting with you. I can't wait to see you in Vegas in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, we're gonna have a great time, and uh, you know, just continue to build our relationship and uh, keep moving forward, man. So thank you so much for joining us today. Rommel, it was my pleasure. And everybody out there, if you're not following Truck and Hustle, you need to be. That's right. Hustle right. fam, if you smell what, if you uh, if you smell something burning, it's only a desire. Myself, Mr. Thomas Jowers, we are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and Hustle. Let's go.